So good morning, bonjour, vous allez bien? Excited to be here. I am, are you? Excited to hear about what God's doing in France? Did I say France? Because I have a little quiz to let you know where I'm from. You ready for this? What is the favorite sport in France? What did, what did you say? Ah, I thought I would catch you there. You guys are good. Yes, we really enjoy football, especially the Cowboys. Okay, all right. So, um, okay. The Olympics will be held where next year? Where? Which is the capital of? Who has the busiest train station in the world? France? <laughs> I'm sorry to like get you all. All right, Paris, okay? Not Paris. 29% of the English vocabulary comes from which language? Spanish. <laughs> no, I heard that. French. You know, it's kind of like the answer, you know, what did you learn today in Sunday school? Just say Jesus, right? <laughs> Whatever question I ask you, just say France, all right? And you'll probably, uh, uh, what country eats more pizza than Italy? Ah, we're good. Okay, anyway, that's where God has called us to serve, okay? In France, it's a beautiful country. Uh, specifically, we're in the city of Lyon which is a little bit south of Paris, about four-hour drive. 2.2 uh, million people live there uh, as far as the metropolitan area. And we have served in this city for the last 16 years. So 16 years ago, Heritage said, get over there, uh, start some churches. And so we're very, very grateful for this partnership in the gospel to advance God's kingdom in the city of Lyon. So what I'd like to do as far as a quick little update is just share what's happening at, you know, on a national scale in France and then kind of tone in a little bit to what's happening in our city in Lyon and then finish off with one specific church plant that, is, is, uh, that deserves our prayers. So as I kind of walk through this, if you can just be asking yourself, how can I pray? How can I pray for what Steve's sharing and uh, what's going on in France? So, as far as the country of France, in 1970, we had, if you include all the Protestant evangelical churches, all the denominations, which we kind of use the term Protestant evangelical to bring in everybody, there were 750 churches. The average size was about 30 people which represented 0.3% of the population, okay? All denominations in 1970. If you fast forward to 2013, we have 460,000 Protestant believers, which represents 2,000, a little over 2,300 churches, 0.7% of the population. Today, last year, the, the latest numbers came out, there are 745 thousand. So these are members of churches. Now that's important to, to, you know, as far as when we give stats. These are people that are registered in a Protestant evangelical church. 
That does, I mean, there's a lot more people attending church. But anyway, it's just this, to show you 1.2% of the population now are Protestant evangelical with about 2,700 churches, with the average size of about 50 people. This is huge. God is moving and convincing people of who he is in this country. And so we, we have lived and experienced different spiritual waves that have crashed on this country. Now, we hope that the next spiritual wave, and there's every denomination has undergone more church planning, and we've remained true to this vision to start one church for every 10,000 people. So if that becomes a reality in France, we need another 4,000 churches and specifically in our city of Lyon and it, you know, the surrounding cities, uh, 146 churches. And so that's the target, that's the goal. But here is the greater need is that a lot of the leadership of France are retiring. And the fact that new churches are started, there's a new church about every 35 days uh, in France. There is barely any pastors, any leadership in these churches. And so the greatest need now in the next 10 years is to provide 1,300 pastors. So you have to picture 2,700 churches. We estimate about 300 churches will be started in the next 10 years, which will be lacking 1,300 uh, pastors to fulfill those spots. So that's sort of what's going on on a national scale. Our sort of vision amongst our network of churches in Lyon is to start 10 new churches in the next seven years, uh, so by 2030, and to uh, raise up 20 pastors, leaders, 10 to stay with us in the Lyon area, and then 10 to, you know, uh, basically send them throughout different parts of France. So that's our personal vision in the Lyon area. This is what's been driving us since the beginning, and it hasn't changed this is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants two. Two. All. Men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That is the passion. That is the drive. That when you look at someone in their eyes and you, you can allow them to, to know the truth of the gospel, to know where their destiny would be. So what have we done in the last 16 years, or specifically in the last few years, is church plant. Um, from one mother church in Lyon, there were four churches started in different parts of Lyon. Uh, I just want to focus a little bit on the Ukrainian church. I know Heritage, about a year ago, uh, did a huge, huge uh, help to, once the Russian-Ukrainian war broke out, we all of a sudden were, we had Ukrainians come in and they're knocking on the church door and some were believers but the thing is a lot of Ukrainians were fleeing and coming to different cities in France and whether they were believers or not that's where they would go to find refuge is churches so once they found our address they were coming and so you guys were very gracious last year and we were able to purchase five vans and send them back to Ukraine to help the churches in Ukraine. And so we drove out supplies, left the vans with them. But also so that you know, uh, through your generosity and caring for these people at this specific time, 
in their lives, we have a Ukrainian church that meets in our building in the afternoon, which is about 100 people, and a very uh, gracious, loving pastor that is overseeing that group. And then a second Ukrainian church has started about an hour and a half out of Lyon, and uh, they're running also about 100. And so, you know, within a year, God just raised up and two new Ukrainian churches in our area. We have four new church plants that are in different parts of the cycle to, to be a church. Um, and so you have a map of where they're located um, in Lyon. How do we do it? How do we church plant in France? Basically, once we have 10 to 15 adults with a couple kids in a certain neighborhood or a certain city who want to reach that neighborhood in that city for Jesus, the question they ask is, if we were to leave in three years, five years, ten years, would our neighborhood know that our little group of believers uh, are gone? And so whatever that neighborhood needs, then we jump in. And so we formulate a core group, and then that core group, whatever the needs are in that neighborhood, we just reach out with the love of Christ, which then produces you know, other contacts. So specifically in the church plant of Bron, um, We've done that cycle for a few years, and it's, it finishes with basically what we call Camp Horizon, or the barn. And this, this year, we have it in beginning of July, uh, we had 63 kids, where most of them, I think 59 of the 63, are kids that are not from Christian homes. And so it's really an outreach in this specific neighborhood in the city of Bron. But here's the reason why I wanted to just focus on this is because we had to refuse 15 kids. And so you work so hard to build relationships, to build trust with the parents and this and that. But because of lack of resources, lack of people, lack of, you know, uh, the government, we could only put so many people that week at the campsite. Uh, we couldn't do a second camp. And so it's, it's more a challenge to all of us is that I don't know how to deal with that. I don't know how you can look in, in the eyes of a kid and say, now I know you want to come for a whole week to 10 days and learn about Jesus, but you know what? We're not going to take you. I, you know, we still can't get over it. I still the whole year was like, God, you, you're going to do something here at the end here, right? Like something's going to happen that we can take all these kids, but legally we couldn't, and we couldn't put on a second camp. And so the challenge this year is now that we know that all the 63 also have 63 friends and the 15 that couldn't come. What are we going to do? So I'm, I'm asking you the question, what are we going to do? Because we're in this all together. But that's what's burdening in us. Is God has opened so many doors. The gospel is just flowing through families. And now we're, it's like we're getting blocked because we don't have enough resources to keep moving forward. So how can you help? You can pray, you can give, and you can go or come. So here's a picture of the camp this year of, uh, of Camp Horizon. So we had about 40 staff, people washing dishes and so on. Anyway, that is a little bit of what's happening in Lyon. A lot of church planning. We want to do leadership training in the next few years and hopefully do a second camp. So you guys want to be a part of that? Who wants to come? It's real. It's not, I mean, Newark is really close, okay? <laughs> I experienced that yesterday. I was like, whoa, this, is, this airport's pretty close. Okay, um, 
Let's move to God's Word, Luke chapter 10. So whoever said yes and whoever laughed really want to talk to you. (laughs) Luke chapter 10. Just very, very grateful for you guys and I'm happy to be here and share my heart. So the passage was chosen based on a great need. (laughs) Now I feel good. Breathe. Do you guys enjoy breathing? (laughs) All right, everybody, I'm going to clap two times and we're all going to take a nice big breath. Ready? (laughs) Just feel those lungs open up, all that oxygen getting in. The gym outdoors, online, breathe because your coaches. Okay. Your coaches are here to inspire you. So that was a commercial for one of the fitness gyms in our town. Breathe. If we breathe, we live. If you stop breathing, you... Did you hear what you just said? If you stop breathing, you... You die. So so the guy who tested the limits, he's a Croatian, and he went underwater and held his breath for 24 minutes and 37 seconds. He kind of holds the record. This was in 2021. I would bet that if you were to go underwater more than two minutes, you'd probably be dead. Or at least there'd be a lack of oxygen getting up to your brain for you to make, you know, any kind of wise decision. If we lack oxygen, we have brain injury, cause fainting, seizures. If we lack oxygen to our heart, then there's problems that will occur. If you breathe, you live. If you don't breathe, you you die. Breathing is oxygen for our brain, like prayer is oxygen for our soul. It's important to pray. So we understand the verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 that says, pray without ceasing. Uh, Maybe we get a little better glimpse of what that verse means. We're talking with God. We're, We're going through our day with God. Pray without ceasing. Do you set in your calendar when you're going to breathe? Do you say Monday at 8 a.m. I need to breathe for 15 minutes? Or... You know, when I'm driving to work, I need to breathe five minutes before I get to work. No, we don't do it because we know if we stop breathing, we're dead. And so in the same way, we don't set an agenda or a calendar when we're going to pray. It's just like oxygen. So how are you breathing this morning? Some of you are breathing pretty good. You've got enough oxygen, enough Enough prayer life going up to your brain to make wise decisions, to discern God's voice. You have a prayer life that works. Your, your heart is, is pumping. It's, 
It has a good rhythm. So maybe your prayer life is going good this morning. Maybe you're just dead and you don't even know it. You don't have a prayer life. Maybe you're on artificial support. Maybe you got tubes trying to inject oxygen into your brain. Your prayer life is more like when you need a firefighter to come in and help you. Then you start talking to God. So how, how's your prayer life? When do you want to just rip those tubes away and breathe on your own? Prayer is oxygen for our spiritual life with God. It's the button that activates the power of God. It's the key that allows the car to move forward. The Puritans say, said that to pray is the nerve that moves the sovereign hand of God. Spurgeon said, where God takes you to pray, prepare to receive. John Calvin said, there is nothing more motivating in our prayers than to have the full conviction that we are going to be heard. In the Bible, it's written, Matthew 7, 7, and 8, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. This morning, I would like to knock on heaven's door. And I would like for all of us to pray four prayers. But I'm going to prep you. They're not going to be easy. So every time we, we pray and we knock on heaven's door, we're going to go deeper in a prayer. And so I want you to evaluate on what level you are this morning with these four prayers. We're going to knock on heaven's door four times in this prayer in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. The background of this verse is Jesus, in chapter 9, has sent out his 12 disciples. In a chapter later, he sends out 72, two by two, in the different villages. Now, specific instructions were given to this group of people that do not apply to us today. But there's a general understanding that there are items that we can pull out for us. And so in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, I've entitled this message, On My Knees for the Mission. On My Knees for the Mission. Let's read, and I'll be reading from the NIV. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So the first knock on heaven's door, send out workers into your harvest. There is a massive opportunity in this text. The harvest is plentiful. That's the great opportunity. The harvest is there. But then there's a problem. The problem is there's a lack of what? 
There's a lack of workers. But then Christ says, here's the solution. The solution is to... The solution is to... Ask, pray. Massive opportunity, the problem, the solution. The harvest, what is it here? The harvest is to live, to share the gospel. People want to hear the good news. They want to hear that they are sinners, that Christ loves them, that Christ paid the price for their sin. They want to hear that they can be forgiven of their sins and accept Christ as the solution and be saved. Maybe this morning there's someone that wants that. Maybe there's someone here that wants to be a part of this harvest, that wants to come to faith in Jesus Christ and feel and understand the forgiveness of their sins and to change their life. But the problem is, there's not workers to live and to share that. It's interesting, the problem is not that people want to shut their ears and do not want to listen. No, the problem is there's nobody to tell them. There's nobody to live out their faith. It's, it's a mystery that a sovereign God would, would in some way or some limited fashion his whole program is linked to these workers, and it's also linked to, are we praying for those workers? And so the first knock is, send workers into your harvest. Is that a part of your prayer life? This week, have you prayed for the harvest? This morning, have you prayed? Do you play, pray regularly for the work and the harvest in the world? For the work and the harvest inside your church. For the harvest where you work. Let's just be honest, right? When I pray, I don't necessarily pray that. I pray for my children because I love my children. And I pray for my wife. If I have a little health problem, I pray for health have better health, if I have a financial difficulty, if, you know, a lot of our prayers are focused on us or our immediate family or our concerns, but we're not necessarily sitting there praying for the harvest that God would send workers. But it's interesting in Jesus' example prayer to us, he starts with the advancement of his kingdom, that his glory would move forward, that the gospel would be shared it starts with advancing God's kingdom, and then he says, now, I know you have some physical needs. Pray for your daily bread, for forgiveness, and so on. But he starts with his kingdom. So do you pray, send laborers into your harvest? Well, I've shared a couple stats with France. We need 1,300 Sometimes we think, okay, that means missionaries, that means pastors, that means this, that means deacon, that means, you know. Well, we need 1,300. I have no clue how God's going to do that. When you have an average of 30 to 50 people entering the ministry full-time in all the denominations in the whole country of France, that's the biggest um, 
class entering the ministry every year, 30 to 50 people. Within five years, two-thirds of them stop. So how are we going to find 1,300? Will you pray with me for that? Send workers into your harvest. Who's at that level? Who can pray that? Or who, who needs to get on that level? Now let's go to the next prayer. Knock, knock. Uh, help me out. Rocky. Rock-a-bye baby on the treetop when the wind blows. Knock, knock. Amina. Amina, woho, waka, waka, Amina, manana. This time's for Africa. You guys don't know that song? <laughs> Sorry. Knock, knock. Steve. Your servant. You see, when we knock on heaven's door, guess who's going to start knocking on your heart? When we start knocking on heaven, saying, send out workers, guess where God's going to start knocking? Right on your heart. Who's there? Can you say your name? The harvest is work. It takes a lot of work to prepare the ground, to sow, to water. But when you reach harvest season... It's all hands on deck. It's time to bring in the crop. You only have a certain amount of time that you have to recuperate your crop or else you'll lose it. And so there's this, there's this desire to say, okay, it's a lot of work. It's harvest time. We all have to be in on it. The term plentiful, the harvest is plentiful. There's a lot. Each believer, God has given them a spiritual gift, and each believer has a part in the harvest. So you can pray for workers to be sent out into the harvest, but it's not long before God starts tapping on your heart, saying, you're, you're the worker. It's not these other people you've been praying for. You're the worker. So that is the second Send me into your harvest. Send workers into your harvest. First knock, two knocks, send me into your harvest. You may say, well, I'm not really convinced that I need to be in the harvest. And all I can say is Jesus in Matthew 9, 35 through 38, he brings up the same subject and he talks about the harvest. But what moved Jesus was he saw with his eyes people, and he was moved with compassion. And then he says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, pray. So maybe you need to start hanging around some people and look into their eyes. That's where, that's where I kind of shared a little bit about our camp, you know, that's in one of the church plants. It's when, you know, I can, I can sit back and be like, ah. Oh, we can't take 80 kids this year, sorry, and write it on a piece of paper. 
But when you sit there at a playground and you look into the eyes of these kids and you know their family situation, you know a dad just kind of bummed his little boy off and is like, I don't want to spend any time with him. You know families are exploding and, and not getting along and couples are divorcing. And when you, when you see that and feel that, you're moved with compassion. And then all of a sudden you go, okay, send me. Send me into the harvest. When the Ukrainian situation happened, at first I was like, what's happening on TV? What? And then all of a sudden, literally, our Ukrainian friend calls you and says, Steve, tonight we have seven people coming in off the air- airplane. And since you live close to the airport, can you, can you uh, house them? Whoa, wait, wait. It was so funny because I, I have no clue what Ukraine or that country, you know, I had to look on Google and figure out what, what's going on over there. And, and all of a sudden, the, uh, 24 hours later, there's people in my house. And I have this image of Eastern Europe where, you know, you kind of have to go find water on the street or something. And there was one, so it was a couple, family, this and that. And one, the only boy who was 16, he could speak a little English. And I took him up to our, you know, the bathroom and I'm trying to explain and for some reason my my thing didn't work and it was just hot hot water and I go so you got to turn this and turn that and and he looks at me and he goes we have running water (laughs) (laughs) welcome no you, you get moved and then after that you're driven. You can't, you can't say no. You're the worker. When you pray, send workers into your harvest, then you get a little bit more intense and those fingers just go down. And then you're like, send, and all the fingers are pointing at you. Send me. Three knocks. I told you we're getting deeper and deeper. Send me here into your harvest. You have to define what the harvest is that God has prepared you for. Send me here into your harvest. We'll keep reading a couple verses in Luke 10. Verses 3 and 4. Go, I am sending you out like, so now you have to, I'm sending you, your name, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. There's this danger involved and there's also this focus, laser focus on the mission that they are to accomplish. They are to just know There's going to be difficulty, but guess what? God's there with you. Just know that in advance. The second thing is, once you start off on this mission, don't get distracted. Don't get distracted by social media. Don't get distracted by too much money. You know, you have to keep your tabs on everything. Don't get distracted by the purse, by this, by that. Stay on mission. Where is the part of the harvest for you? What part of the field 
In Ephesians 2, 9, and 10, God has prepared in advance where he wants you. So there's a piece of this harvest that only you and you alone can harvest from. I can't get into your world. I can't go to your, the people that are around you, live in your neighborhood. You are the only person that can do that. There is a harvest to reap in your marriage. There is a harvest to reap with your children. There is a harvest to reap with your families, your workplace, your school. Wake up in the morning and say, okay, God, here I am. When and where is this harvest for me? Send me here into your harvest. So we arrive on our one, two, three, four. Now we're knocking on heaven's door. Send me now into your harvest. The word ask or prayer is a earnest desire. Please, please send workers into your harvest. You're, you're earnestly asking, constantly asking God. It's not just, I hope God you'll send some workers. There's this, this strong passion. You've noticed that there's a few fires in the world. Hawaii recently, Canada. In France, we've had a lot of huge fires in the south of France. And there was this image where the fire was coming out, out of the mountains and you could see this village and the police force was going around, knocking on doors, trying to get people to evacuate, trying to convince people that the fire's coming, you need to leave. But you always have some people that, you know, they're, they're, they're there. I mean, they're not going to move. This is my house. And, and there was the intensity with this police force coming to this house. And in France, we have walls and hedges and all this. And they're ringing the bell. They're knocking on the door. They're shouting out. They start lifting, you know, over the gate, shouting at these people saying, you need to leave. You need to leave now. Now. Not tomorrow. Now. The fire is coming. You need to leave. This is, this is your life at stake. You need the gospel. Not in one week. Now. We need to be a part of the harvest now, not tomorrow, now. That word, ask, is an intensity involved because we don't have the luxury of saying, well, maybe next month because the fire is coming now. There's so much more at stake for eternity. We're not even talking about a burnt house. Send workers into your harvest. Send me into your harvest. Send me here into your harvest. Send me when? Now into your harvest. So here's the challenge for all of us this week. Take four minutes, four days, the next four days, and pray those four prayers. And watch how God will lead you to your harvest where you can serve him. This morning, if your prayer life is dead, 
rise. If your prayer life depends on oxygen tubes, tear them out. Breathe on your own. If your prayer life is healthy, go deeper. Go deeper with the God that you love who loves you. Does prayers work? 100% yes. 100% we. James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. John 16, 23 and 24, ask and you shall receive. John 14, 13, ask Jesus and he will do it that the Father may be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, you've heard, I have heard, we have heard that back then is the same today. The harvest is plentiful. Allow our eyes to see that and to be there with you exactly where you want us this afternoon and tomorrow morning and this week. That the harvest, we will be able to bring in the harvest that more and more people would just love you and know that, that you love them. And I pray this for each one of us in Jesus' name. Amen.